Thanks for listening to Grand Craft Beer, Ben's premier beer podcast, exploring everything beer in Central Oregon, with your host, who's a Cicerone and the author of Oregon Breweries, Brian Yeager. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever time you might be listening. You know, it's our it's the first week that we are recording after Labor Day, and I'm not usually into seasons as far as fashion or anything like that, but boy, do I love a good change of beer season. <laughs> And not to say I have outgrown or grown tired of drinking all those rice lagers and crispy light lagers floating down the Deschutes all summer long, but I am very excited to start to get into the autumnal array of beer flavors, beer styles, beer colors. And to do that, I chose uh, the Flanders Brown, a.k.a. the Flemish Brown, a.k.a. Oud Bruin. And uh, Oud Bruin in Dutch or Flemish really just translates to Old Brown. Mm. So this is a style that, I mean, think about it. It's got Oud right in the name. It's an old beer style. This thing's been around for centuries, truly, uh, grown in the Flanders region of Belgium, which is to say the northern half as opposed to the southern Wallonian region. Each one has their own distinct beer styles, but uh, as someone who really loves sour beers, I not to say, I mean, Please, I love saisons. I love those those uh, Belgian farmhouse styles, but love the northern Belgian that those Flanders style beers, which is predominantly a Flanders brown, like we're going to be discussing today, as well as a Flanders red. Uh, and what makes one red and one brown? It's the malt. It's the actual color. The reds give off a reddish hue. The browns give off a darker browner hue. Uh, you know, roasted malts. Uh, but one thing they both have in common is a light, refreshing acidity. And usually they're going to be made with acidulated malts, which is going to lower the pH. Uh, but sometimes they are brewed with Britannomyces or Lactobacillus, Pediococcus, any of the sort of three primary souring agents. Kind of uh, seems like you're speaking a different language now, I know, Brian. and I try not to do that. By the way, <laughs> we are joined by Donna Britt, who is the source's food editor and food podcaster, because I have three bottles here in the studio today. Because, again, as I was saying, you just don't find a lot of Flanders brown ales. I am lucky enough to be holding three vintages mm. of Deschutes the Dissident. I do not recall the exact year that they introduced this beer, but it has been a staple for them. I absolutely love this beer. So they kindly just sent me the new batch, uh, the 2023, and it is made with cherries. Some Ubruins mm, may have a fruit edition. Usually they won't. Uh, and in fact, for the dissident, over the years, Deschutes has done versions with peach. I know you like peach lambics and pe other peches. Uh, they've done Marionberry. I think they did Blackberry. But for me, not just because I put on Creek Fest and have uh, really done everything I can to boost the profile of mixed fermentation sour beers around Oregon, uh, the way that they're already quite prevalent around Belgium. But uh, I just love this one. And again, I'm, I have three years of it. I've got the 2023 we're going to start with. After that, we're going to taste the 2019 and okay. I reached in the back of my beer cooler. I found a bottle of 2015. So 
What I love about this is we're going to go back in time four years and then another four years. How do you keep beer? I, I, I mean, I know more about wine, I think, than beer. So how do you keep a, a beer? Do you keep it in a cooler or do you you do? Well, that, that's a great question. I, yes. You, I'm, I'm sort of nodding my head, but uh, different, you know, it, it sort of depends on what you have available. If you have a studio apartment, you're not storing any beer. If you right. have a mansion with a wine <laughs> underground wine cave, then that would be your ideal place to also store okay. your beers. Uh, I have neither the mansion with the wine cave, <laughs> but I do uh, have something bigger than a studio. So what I do, I have the Beer Geek uh, requirement, which is a dedicated beer fridge in the garage. Okay. So so a fridge temp. Yes, exactly. Okay. Just regular fridge temperature. Um, and the reason you do that is the colder it is, the, it'll slow down the biodynamic activity in that beer. So um you know, as a general rule, right, you go shopping for beer, even if you're not looking for a Flanders Brown, if you're looking for a, a crushable lawnmower beer. Right. When you walk into a grocery store or a bottle shop, generally you'll see a chiller, like coolers, mm-hmm. right? It could be one door. It could be several doors. But you'll also see some beers displayed warm, like maybe at an end cap. Mm-hmm. If you have the choice, always grab the cool one. Some people think, oh, but isn't it bad to take a cold beer and then have it warm up in your car and maybe take some time to put it in your fridge. That's not really the case. It's really just about slowing the aging process. Okay. The colder it is, if you're able to store something cool, it doesn't need to be 33 degrees, right? It just needs to be cool. So if you have, if you don't have room for a dedicated beer fridge, uh, but you have a dark closet or ideally a basement to sell or anything where it's going to say more around 65 degrees than your ambient room temperature. All those things. Basically, the darker, the cooler you can store that beer, the better chance you have at giving it a nice, long life. And I say chance because this is a living product. Uh, That yeast, the bread, all the different microbes in there, they're always doing something. So that's the other really fun thing about Drinking what this is referred to as a vertical beer tasting, right? Because it's the same beer, but it is brewed. It's different batches and it's brewed over time. So the malts are going to change. There's very, very little hop character in any of those uh, Belgian lambics and other sour beers. This one happens to have some some Czech Saz hops, but it's really just there for the antimicrobial preservative properties of hops. It's not trying to be a a Saz flavored beer. So is this a beer that you would maybe want to, like you have the vintage 2015 or whatever it is, it's a beer that you might want to to sell her? Oh my goodness. This really? beer is a prime candidate. I know I, it's probably fair to say that more Bendites, uh, if you're if you're familiar with any of Deschutes' barrel-aged beers, it's probably the Abyss, right? That's their Imperial Sout, bourbon-aged, or some, you know, so they've experimented with other types of Spirit barrels from tequila to cognac, but bourbon is the primary one. Um, the dissident is because of the mixed fermentation mm-hmm. and the way that it will continue to consume sugars. And we're going to find out, did this yeah. beer get a little more sour? Did it get a little sweeter? Did it get a yeah. little more carbonated from having all the time in these wax-sipped bottles to to liven up and, you know, or, or did it sort of diminish 
I cannot wait to find out. Let's do it. With Let's you. start. <laughs> One other thing to add about a, a Flanders Brown is it is generally a, a mixed beer, meaning they'll brew one batch and they'll let it age for a couple of years, you know, maybe one year, two year, three years. And then if you only drink that, uh, which would probably, especially if it's spontaneously fermented, that's basically a lambic. So what they're going to do is they're going to blend it with a, a younger version of the same beer, okay. reintroduce a little sweetness from the increased malt profile, but also just give that beer that has been sitting around for two years, maybe at that point, it just hasn't had a lot to do. Imagine if you were sitting in a room all by yourself for two years. If you, if a, a new person came in or a young puppy came in, you'd want to interact and play with it. So that's sure. what the two older <laughs> and newer uh, versions of this beer are going to do. So Donna, yes. please join me. We're going to, okay. we're going to clink. Okay. We are going to start again with the 2023 the dissident from Deschutes. The new one. That's so yummy. Have you ever had a beer like this before? And again, I know you've I don't had think the peach so. lambics, but it's wow, it just has a really I don't know how I don't I don't know I don't talk beer There's terms. No wrong, right? Like a clean finish. It's it's just it's nice and tight and, and bright. Um, you know what I mean? Like it looks like it would be heavier on your tongue, but it isn't. So that's two things to really keep in mind for this particular version. Mm. It is the fresh one. It's the brand new release, the 2023 version of the Dissident. So it's clean because it just hasn't had a lot of time to sit and funkify. Yeah. And also, uh, it had that younger beer, right? That's all, They're all going to be cleaner than your average Lambic, especially like a Goose, a Hoos, which is always a blend of one, two, and three-year-old Lambic. Mm -hmm. That's just going to be crazy funky sour uh super bright this one is sort of tempered yeah by it's a little sour i mean a the little, more yeah. that i'm tasting it i mean it's delicious i have to say it's really good and what the fun thing about oud bruins is you know this one does have some cherry juice added i i believe they would add cherry juice it's possible that they aged it on whole cherries i i didn't look that up it just says cherries but the beer through that acidity will, you know, it, it, you could drink them and sort of think that it might have cherry mm -hmm. uh, or plum. People talk about Flemish browns as having cherry flavors, plum flavors, raisin flavors, um, dried fruit. They're because they're also very rich. The other thing I want to point out is having started with the 2023 vintage batch, this beer is right around nine and a half percent could have been 9.6 uh we are going to move on to the 2019 batch mm -hmm. which is ten and a half percent so things we're going to look for increased mouthfeel and okay. body from one point up in alcohol sure but also four extra years of aging so i'm going to take one more sip all right the 23 not because i have to but because it's delicious mm-hmm it is uh, good, and I'm, I'm trying. Glad you're digging it, and I'm, I I love it. I'm trying to think of what would be a good food to pair it with. While we're doing this, sure. I'm, I'm trying to. You know, I haven't thought of it yet, but maybe it'll come to me before we're finished. You know, I always lament the lack of Belgian cuisine in America. Mm. We are very very lucky here in Bend that we have Monkless Brasserie, yes. the Belgian uh, restaurant that obviously has a, a really strong German cuisine mm -hmm. influence too, but. You could find a lot of true Belgian classics. So, 
whether it's moule frites, right? Whether it's mussels and fries. Yep. Um, think about those stews. Think about like a a Flemish carbonade, right? Yes. Think about um, game. I one of the absolute best meals I had uh, in a trip to Belgium was a creek braised rabbit, mm. and I just happen to love rabbit. Uh, it used nice. to be immensely popular in the American diet, and then you know chickens I grew up came eating along. Rabbit, of right? course, right? Hostenpfeffer from mm-hmm. the German, right? Uh, you just don't see it very much. And creek, of course, is the uh, Belgian word. It's the Flemish word for sour cherry. So ah. just like a pêche is also a peach lambic, a creek is a cherry lambic. Got it. So I had a Yum. Flanders brown with a creek braised rabbit in Perfect. Brussels. It's still one of my favorite meals and, of all and time. And even something like a pork loin that you could do like a plum mm-hmm. sauce with. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking like, a, you know, something braised with a with fruit, you know? Absolutely. Fruit plays, again, why do they add cherries to this beer? Yeah. Because the fruit plays so well with the liquid. Yummy. Okay. And I got to say, now that I'm taking <laughs> a sip of the 2019 vintage, the cherry, you know, you you kind of never know. Is it going to dissipate? Is it going to fade in this case, I feel like it has really bumped up. Sip. I feel like the cherry Smells component different. has just had time to to mm. grow into itself. Oh yeah! Wow! Right, right. Oh, this is so much fun! It's like uh, the Pepsi Coke test or something. Right. No, <laughs> <laughs> but Except it's, they're all you know. Again, it's, I it's, mean, this is yummy. I'm I glad kn- you feel this way, and I really hope as you're listening, go out. And you will definitely mm. be able to find the dissident. But, you know, whether you're going to uh, wow. your favorite uh, grocery store, I know Market of Choice has a good selection. Newport Avenue Market has a good selection. Third Street Beverage Broken So will, will they have this on tap at Deschutes right now? Or? I would imagine they have because, the dissident on okay. tap both at their downtown pub oh, and the tasting room. And if they don't yet, they definitely will. This um, season, right? Exactly. Okay. And you could do there what I am fortunate enough to be doing here, mm. which is they, you know, I have one bottle of each of these. Right. They have cases and cases. So you this is this and, is like deeper and a mm-hmm. little sharper, but still, I mean, it's it's yummy. Sharp, it, absolutely. It's, de- it's a richer, mm-hmm. very pronounced, bright, vibrant beer, which is almost unusual because I think the inclination would be, well, it's four years old. It's got to be stale. No. But when you're dealing with mixed fermentation for beers like this, for sour beers. And I think that's one of the worst mm. things in the world that has happened to the beer industry is it has become oversimplified in yeah. its language. You, When you find sour beers, it will usually just be described as a sour. Well, there's so many kinds of sour beer and there's so many ways of souring a beer. Hmm. Uh, the, the most prevalent is uh, doing a, a kettle sour where they're introducing some lactic acid you know through through lactobacillus and it's fine it's good it's it keeps it light and refreshing uh but it d- definitely lacks the character and complexity of having a little Britannomyces and some pediococcus and some lactobacillus which i just from the taste of this all seem to be quite present oh in it's these beers. it's really delicious i'm I'm just very impressed. It's almost it's like when you go to a, a wine tasting and you 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 think you don't really care about it that much, but then if you have someone educating you while you're sipping, it just adds to it. So I'm 
I'm, I'm very impressed by your wine educating. Tasting because <laughs> if you want to knock the socks off of a wine drinker mm-hmm. who thinks he or she doesn't like beer, that I would be me. Exactly. Well, sure. <laughs> Right, But you introduce them to these Venice, these wine-like beers, especially when there's fruit at it, right? This I mean, is amazing. The does for this beer what grapes do for wine. Yeah. And that's the other really fun thing about having these vintages is the, the cherries that they had access to in 2015, in 2019, obviously by dint of being an agricultural product, right. cannot be the same as they're using the 2023 Right. And that's what wine lovers right. love. Oh, did you try the, year, the 19 the, yeah, Merlot? Right, oh, right. I thought the 15 was a great, you know, all those things. It's really fun if, if, if you have the room and the interest. And I should also add the budget, right? right. These beers are not cheap. Uh, right. It's not like you're not going to go buy a six pack every other day. <laughs> one bottle is the price of a six pack. So right. just keep right. in mind, but at the same time, there's cheap wine and there's elegant wine and different yeah, just like everything call else. for different things. So it's kind of reminded me a little bit. Is it okay if I talk about another mm-hmm. brewery for a second? Like the Ale uh, Apothecary. Yeah. Like sure. what their their style and the way that they do. They have some beers that I've just I think are just so fantastic being a non-beer drinker. But I think Certainly. this is reminding me of their stuff. I, I it's an interesting point you make because I don't know if everyone knows this Ale Apothecary here in Bend. The mm-hmm. only all wild fermented brewery that we have was founded mm-hmm. by Paul Arney, who had been the number two brewmaster at Deschutes for a long time. Yes. And and I could virtually guarantee that he had a hand in, obviously not the 2023, not even the 19. But the but 2015. It's quite possible yeah. that what he that he had brewed, I or at least it. helped introduce the dissident. Sure, and it is very much in his wheelhouse. That said, uh, I love Ale Apothecary, and I know they've had a lot of beers that took a fruit addition, including many with cherries. Every time I go in there, if I see a cherry beer, I have to get it. I can't say I recall them brewing in Ubrun. Yeah, maybe they haven't yet. Yeah, I don't know. And if they have. I'm sorry, Paul and Stacey, I forgot. <laughs> but, uh, and, and, you know, they could be in that wheelhouse. And so anyway, that's that's one of those things that, you know, a, a beer like this really, it's not an everyday beer, but it right. should not be a foregone extinct beer. And so no. I really love that Deschutes has done its, you know, some of the yes. heavy lifting and keeping it going. Because when I think around the country, I'm really hard pressed to think of other Flemish brown Ales. Really? Yeah. Even whereas during the we'll call it the the sour boom, right? There was right. A, a pretty good chunk of time. I'll say 2009 through 2014 seemed to be this great epoch right. of of sour beers and people really discovering the old world ones. Of course, predominantly from Belgium, but even from Germany, they have their own. You know, people think of German beers as being really perfectionist and clean and classic mm-hmm. and most of them are but they also have the Leipziger Goza and the Berliner Weisse and ones that had some uh, tartness and some acidity even if they weren't barrel aged and you know meant to, meant to store for years and years like the ones that the Belgians were doing so why can I ask a question Please do. <laughs> I'm so curious um, why is Belgium how did they get to be such great beer makers 
That's a great question. <laughs> uh, the shortest answer I could think of is they always have been and remain an agrarian society. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at a map of Europe, and real obviously that sort of shift our, our focus to Western Europe. Right. Um, I have always referred to Belgium as the center square of geopolitical tic-tac-toe. Mm, okay. Right? You've got the Netherlands to the north. You've got Belgium to the east. You've got France to the south. Um, and obviously Italy, you know, farther right. south than that. Uh, you had the, the, the Norwegians and the Vikings way far to the north. And essentially, centuries ago, all those different peoples were just going around trying to conquer everyone else. Right, right. right. The Vikings <laughs> wanted the world for them. The Germans, right, the Romans, everyone wanted the world for themselves. One big wrestling and match. So <laughs> it wasn't as if anyone ever said, ah, we're going to go take over Belgium. But they had to march through Belgium. Right. And as a result, it has ended up sort of a... A gumbo of Europe, a, a mixing pot. Kind a of a crossroads. Pot. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Even as I was saying, you have uh, Flanders in the north, Wallonia in the south. You have the Dutch and the French speaking versions. And obviously on the east side, you have a lot of German speaking members of the populace. Right. So they've taken different bits and bobs. And also quite important, as those troops are marching through and they needed to be refreshed right they're <laughs> drinking these beers and go wow that's pretty novel and they were taking them with them it why was right 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 who <laughs> right think about the french right right so it was napoleon who referred to not flanders browns but flanders red ales as the burgundies of the north interesting he said well i only you know he only really knew from wine and he goes and he tramples through Belgium on his way to trying to conquer the rest of Europe, discovers a very similar beer to the one we're drinking, fell in love with it. So there you go. The, 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 the Burgundy of the North. Right? I love it. I love it. And again, a history lesson. This is what, what I love about food and drink is that there's so much history in what you Absolutely. eat and what you drink. That's that is the, it wasn't the thing that drew me to beer, but that was the thing that, kept me interested in exploring beer history Yeah, is, as a sort of a side note, way back in college, I happened to have been a religious studies major. Not because I was super fascinated with religion, but I had taken a few courses and I realized that this one class is essentially geography, anthropology, philosophy, political science, economics, all of those Everything. things rolled into one. And I'm telling you, beer history is the exact same thing. There are so many <laughs> things that have occurred in governments throughout, throughout the ages, in the church throughout the ages that have had a direct impact on beer style, beer ingredients, and even how alcoholic, yeah. I don't know if I pronounced that, how alcoholic beer can be because the more expensive, right. the more tax they had to pay. And in fact, that's wow. still true in some places. <coughs> so- all those factors are always at play, shaping the world of beer. And what I fear about our current climate yes. in American craft beer is that we, you know, the, the craft beer renaissance was a direct reaction to the dumbing down and the homogenization yeah. of macro industrial beer. Right. 
And yes, we have 10,000 breweries or nearly 10,000 breweries spread across the, the country. But what good is it if they're all brewing the same, same IPA? Right. Which right. I'm not saying they are. So, yeah, your fear is the lack of diversity, basically. Exactly. And, and it's perfectly fine to say, well, I like IPA. I don't like a Flanders Brown as much. Why would I brew one? But someone wants it, and there's always a beer for every occasion. And so when you're talking right. about you have some wine lovers over and you have a really beautiful cheese board out, I mean, truly, so ma- I, I, I happen, you are the wine gal, I'm the beer dude, <laughs> which is great. And I love wine, and I'm glad that you drink beers too. <laughs> but I will arm wrestle you yeah, to believe that beer is the better beverage to go with a cheese board, even though wine and cheese okay, classic, right? And I think I could imagine the people, the, the dairy makers, the cheese makers. I, you think I they know. might I, be on board with you? I, I think a lot of them would be on board with beer. And, and, and all that to say, this particular one, I mean, think about oh, yeah. the, the blue cheeses, the cami bears, the, yeah, the soft the cheeses, richer. the ripe cheeses, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, really strong, sharp cheeses can can hold up to a beer of this style. Whereas yeah. some of the, you know, more casual ones uh, would, would just get lost. They would just be. And I think, too, isn't it isn't it true? Like the more diverse your ecosystem is, the stronger it is. And, and, and certainly right. And, and so I think it's really important that things stay diverse, no matter what kind of system you're talking about, whether it's beer or wine or food or life in general or a forest. If you have the biodiversity, you're going to have you're going to live longer. <laughs> right. Amen. Right. So you're right. And yes, I would definitely I tell you what, I will serve this beer. I will start to hunt this beer down. Please do, right. You know? So now we gotta taste this. All right, you're right. Let, let's get to the I, t- I can't to the wait. 2015. Oh, it smells oh. different too. Oh my gosh. Just the smell. I wish mm-hmm. you guys could smell it. I actually I, I ruined it because oh. I, I took a sip before I started talking about the aroma, but Oh my goodness. It is so, I mean the you it's can see amazingly the different. DNA thread between the 23 and the yes. 19, but then you go from either of those to this uh, 2015, and it's a whole different animal. Smelling it is making me salivate. It, Good. It, it's, it, I, I wish I could describe the smell. You probably can. Well, the first thing that hits me is baseball leather, like glove yes. leather, right? Like yes. I, oh, Remember yes. being in Little League, sitting in the outfield in Very right field, leathery. put Brian in right field. He can't do a lot of damage to us there. <laughs> and chewing on those straps on my you were bored? glove. <laughs> right, because, you know, in Little League, very few people hit it, let alone hit it out to right field. So I ate, I chewed on a lot of baseball leather? glove leather. And that that was the first aroma. Um, but think about certain Baking spices too. I mean, yeah, like a like a real fruit cake, a spice yeah. fruit cake. He, uh, he, yes, a very rich. Wow, and the mouth feel is really different. It leaves you with a different feeling at the end. This has got some sure. prunes in it. Ah, it's prunes. Got there you some, go. Uh, like, what would you soak currants in? Like rum or sure, yeah, maybe even port. Right, like yeah, just some. Actually, I think port. Also mm-hmm. has a, mm-hmm. a, a flavor line running through this one in a way that it didn't very port first like. two. Yeah, which whoa. And also now here's the other thing to keep in mind as we sort of touched on, right around nine and a half percent for the twenty three. And this one is. And then we got up to ten and a half percent for the two thousand nineteen. 
going back to 2015, this beer was bottled at 11.6% wow. ABV. Wow. It, it's and just amazing. will have a huge impact on the flavor. Just the, um, I'm so glad we started with the current one first. You knew what to right. do. Right. You have to you knew know. What to do. In other words, if you, if you start, and look, mm. if you, if you really felt like going oldest to youngest, that's could not do that. wrong. I just right. have really landed on youngest to oldest to see what the journey is over time. Not to say that if you look at a baby, you'll know what that person will look like <laughs> as an old man or woman. Benjamin Buttons, right? <laughs> exactly. But I, I, yeah, I'd rather go in cron order rather than Benjamin Button order. <laughs> I, I, this, that's just crazy. I mean, it's good. I would. I think the middle one is my favorite. This last mm-hmm. one is delicious. I would I would almost say that this could be a dessert beer like dessert do beer, it with some sort sure. of heavy deep dark chocolatey thing right obviously I mean you there's so many things right a flourless chocolate cake a, a chocolate panna yeah. cotta but even though here we are talking about the richness and the complexity of this beer I think you could go super simple and get a 70 72% dark chocolate yeah, bar yeah absolutely just, just a chocolate bar like that the crunch of the chocolate bar, the yes. softness with the really light carbonation of the beer. I think and this is like a perfect. late night sipper. You could like it sip is. this instead of sipping on whatever you like to sip on. I like. have one of those like classic old man uh, easy <laughs> recliner chairs, you know, it's like leather. Let me tell you something. All men love recliners. Oh, yes, we All do. women hate them. <gasps> uh, we do not want them in the house. I'm just saying. But that's okay. It's all right. Just well, so that, you know. And it it's is... not an old man yeah. thing. It's an every man <laughs> <Okay>. thing. <laughs> but I love it more and more over the years, I guess, is really what I'm getting at. And and I'm not a cigar smoker. But if I were, right? You, you would smoke it with this you one. You lie back. You put your feet up. <laughs> and something of that nature. You got your, your dark chocolate. It has to be dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. Milk chocolate would not Mm-mm. hold the candle to this beer. Wow. Uh, so it could either be a cigar. By the way, I got this trick from a weird video from Arnold Schwarzenegger where he was talking about dipping cigars in tequila. What? But I feel like you could dip it in a beer like and you this, know, this, especially is, if you had a fruitier type of tobacco. This is a little tobacco-y, honestly. It is. Exactly. It really is. Leathery, tobacco-y. I mean, and wow. Are, I mean, think about it. There are tobaccos that have natural cherry flavors or dry specifically yeah. dried cherry and so when wow. you have a beer like this right the 2023 the 2019 have a really fresh cherry juice component yeah whereas you go back to the 2015 and all of a sudden it's a dried cherry very much so very- in addition to all those other dried fruit notes that are so prevalent in this what a delicious fun beer. flight thank you i mean it really <laughs> is fun and it, it 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 it's very um it's very exciting i mean i love this i'm gonna hunt this down for the holidays especially to... i gotta actually mention i i wish i thought to say this at the top of the podcast uh but my friend and fellow bendite john abernathy who is the blogger of the brew site which happens to be america's oldest beer blog oh wow Um, he also writes for the bulletin nice covers beer he you know basically we both were sent this new batch of right dissident so he also posted and he said i'm glad to have these and i'm going to dig out some older vintages to crack them Mm -hmm. to to Mm -hmm. do a true vertical tasting like this so uh john if you happen to be listening uh, just know that we, you know, Donna and I just tackled the 23, the 19, and the 15. 
I want to read your write up of whatever vintages he you inspired. Were on to. Exactly. He inspired. You. I don't want to bring in everything I had, um, and it's hard because, <laughs> on the one hand, that beer fridge, right? Like it's a finite amount of space. Right. I have all the shelves filled, and then I just start cramming them or seeing, oh, could I put in something sideways? <laughs> so it's great. A vertical is the best thing you could do if you want to clear a little room in your beer fridge. Sure. Invite some friends or pick up two or three bottles of each yeah. of these so that everyone gets a good amount. Pick up some other cherry beers or try it with the peach or the Marionberry version of the Dissident. Nice. See what they're doing. Um, but there are a few Belgian styles that either should be available um, Oh, boy, I am drawing a blank right now. It's a Hudenband is sort of the brand. I'm drawing a blank on the name of the brewery. But again, when you are in Belgium, particularly northern Belgium, you will see Flanders Browns everywhere. They just really have held on to their place in their beer culture. Right. And we experimented with them and we kind of moved on and I would love to see American brewers realize anything that has been around for 300 years is worth keeping. Well, and just know that some of the some of us who are out here, you know, not really IPA people because exactly. I'm, I'm not. Right. And maybe I think I don't really, you know, care if beer is here or not. Um, you're converting me every week. I listen I and I'm like, oh, it. you're converting me. So just just the brewers should think about that. There are people out there who don't drink beer who if you By do something means. different, you well, might absolutely. catch their attention. You, you know, and that's the whole think about it. They're coming out with hard seltzers and hard iced teas and hard lemonades and because not everyone is a beer drinker. Right. But they're not a drinker of the beers that they are usually offered when right. they show up at someone's right. potluck, you know, barbecue. Exactly. This is not the kind of beer that you're going to reach into that ice chest and go, oh, what's this? I don't like it's just not going to be in there. Right. And that's a OK. Very deliberate, purposeful style of beer flavor of beer. Which is making me think, too, you know, now that I'm at, at my advanced age, <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm not drinking just to drink. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to just like have a bunch of, you know, White Claws or whatever. <laughs> right. right. So if I'm going to drink, it's intentional. It's deliberate. It's usually with food, um, and it's and it's on purpose. And when you do that, I think that's just a whole different experience than Absolutely. just you know than that's just a, drinking, right? It's a fantastic point. I re, I truly am in the same boat. I just don't drink as much because as I used to. it's not good for our bodies to over right. imbibe. Over, right? It yeah. would be bad. I'm gonna. I'm saying abstain. I've never done a dry January, dry October, whatever. Yeah. Like. I can't go a whole month, but I don't <laughs> need to be binge drinking all the time. Right. Or any of the time, for that matter. So if you're going to pick one, yes. you owe it to yourself to pick the Have very Have an experience. Best one. Yeah, Like, exactly. this is an Make experience it, right exactly. now. And this it's is, delicious. Bingo. And it's stimulating your palate, and it's creative, and it really is nice. I, I don't even know what... I'm going to pick up the middle one. I Shit. think that all might right. have been that, my favorite. Was that your... You know what? I'm going to say this 19 was probably my favorite, too. If, if somebody if somebody held a gun to my head and mm -hmm. said, you have to pick a favorite, I think probably this one. But the other two, excellent. Because I'm going back. Now, right, we made our way through. Mm -hmm. I kind of think, which one am I going to jump to? What I really appreciate about mm. this middle one, the 2019, mm -hmm. is it is still really lively. It is still lively. effervescent. Yes. And yet that fruit note is so shiny. It's, yes. In fact... I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but uh, my my son who just started middle school, uh, he was reading 
Lord of the Rings. And yes. I said, hey, there's a lot of words in here you don't know. When you come across one, write it down and then look it up in the dictionary. So he writes down the word effulgence. Ooh, that's a good one. You know, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, I like words, but I have never, even though I've read the book, I've missed it, right? I forgot. Right. So effulgence is just like exceedingly bright. Yes. Usually yes. in a literal sense, like from the sun, but this beer is effulgent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, I said totally it in conversation. Is. There you go. <laughs> and here's to Lord of the Rings. Here's to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> here's to the brewers at Deschutes for yes. coming out with the Dissident again. I, I think the cherry version has been a while. I'm super stoked that they reintroduce it. This is the season for picking up one or more bottles of this because <laughs> one might not be enough. Or pick up several, right? Have one now and then have it four years down the road. But you're going to impress your beer snob friends, your wine snob friends who yes. don't think that they drink beer. <laughs> Anyone just who's open for, you know, to, to something new. I think the Flanders Brown, the Oud Bruin, as it were, they are synonymous. Uh, even though it is, again, it's Oud. It's old. I love that. Um, there's another word they use. I think it's like Ajit. Uh, I probably butcher that. But it's an old style. But if you've never had it, it is a brand new style. So... As we get deeper into fall, this is a great beer it's for the season. delicious. Thank you so much, Thanks Donna. for having me. All right. That does it. Thank you. And I just want to give a quick hat tip to our guest next week. Uh, someone from Three Creeks Brewing out in Sisters will be in the studio with us uh, talking about their Fresh Hops Festival. Here we are talking about a new season. Even though I love sour beers, there's no better season than fresh hop season, which is what we are just entering. So they're going to talk about some of their fresh hop beers and, of course, hosting the Fresh Hop Festival, which I believe is 20 or more breweries all doing the freshest of the freshies. So please tune in again next week. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Bear, 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 gently bear, bear, bear. A barrel of malt, a bushel of hops, you stir it around.